the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Today we are going to begin the fourth chapter of First Timothy, and we'll be looking at verses 1 through 5, and in these verses, Paul writes about the inevitability of apostasy. That apostasy actually began with the church age, and it's going to continue to grow till the return of Christ, and somewhat beyond. So please read with me as we look at these five verses. First Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. It says, But the Holy Spirit explicitly and unmistakably declares that in latter times some will turn away from the faith, paying attention instead to deceitful and seductive spirits and doctrines of demons, misled by the hypocrisy of liars, those whose consciences are seared as with a branding iron, leaving them incapable of ethical functioning, who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from certain kinds of food which God has created to be gratefully shared by those who believe and have a clear knowledge of the truth. For everything God has created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is to be received with gratitude, for it is sanctified, set apart, dedicated to God by means of the word of God and prayer. Now, this is an obvious continuation of chapter 3. We just ended chapter 3, and that's where Paul writes for us what theologians believe was either a poem or a hymn of the early church. And it was rehearsed as a statement of belief. In the early church, as I've mentioned before, in the early church, they didn't have ready access to the scriptures. But they would gather because in many ways, the apostles, the teachers of that day were bringing scripture before them. And you know, we get all hung up. We want to make sure that we study the word of God. And I agree with that. I do it myself. But they did not have it before them to study. They came and they listened and they wrote it down and they studied it from their notes. And they studied it in worship with the people. They were not, in fact, they were so devoted. You read Acts chapter 2, they didn't want to leave. They didn't want to leave. They stayed. Because think about it. You grew up in a Christian nation. 
There is preaching on the radio, teaching on the, on the internet. There's all kinds of access to the Word of God. And every one of us who grew up in a Christian home have several Bibles right in front of them, right? Well, they didn't have that. So to them to hear the Word of God was a great privilege. You, you know, I think about receiving a letter from a loved one that is far away. And how excited you can be, and this is, of course, an antiquated concept, but, you know, running to the mailbox to receive a letter. I know y'all don't do that anymore. It's email. But, you know, you get all excited about receiving a letter from someone who's far away. Well, God's not far away, but to hear his voice, to hear him speak, to know his heart concerning you, To have it rehearsed over your soul. And these people would stand up and speak it as a creed. And they would speak the truth over their soul. The mind, will, and emotion. And we all know how important that is. Because all day long, your soul is getting filled with lies. Lies from the enemy that you adopt as your own. Lies from the world. Lies from the things around you. Constantly being filled with lies, distortions, and deceptions that would draw your focus away from the God who loves you. And what's more, from the God who loves your attention. And you immediately grasp the Word of God and you read it over your soul and you speak it over your soul by faith, you automatically take into you the only thing that will hedge you against the lies that have been hitting you all day long. Embracing truth. There are only two things you can embrace, truth and lies. So Paul speaks to that little poem or that hymn that they spoke and it, was, it went like this. It's in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. They would say, He, Jesus Christ, who was revealed in human flesh, was justified and vindicated in the Spirit, seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. Now, this is the truth that they would confess over their soul. That seems pretty simple, doesn't it? But think about it. It is their identity. It is the truth of who they are. It capsulizes what they believe about their life, about eternity, about their God. Now, after this affirmation of truth, he moves right into the issue of apostasy. And he begins with an emphatic, explicit word from the Spirit of God. Now, we all know that Scripture is, all of Scripture is given by the Spirit, but For some reason, which we will understand here in a minute, the Spirit of God wanted Paul to make sure that he put special emphasis on the fact that this is a statement by God. This is not a prediction by Paul. This is not an assumption by Paul. This didn't come from the thoughts or the words of man. It literally was dictated by the Spirit of God. And he's making it very clear. Now, the Greek here means that the Spirit spoke explicitly without disguise. In other words, he made it as clear as he possibly could so that we would understand. The Spirit declares this following statement of truth that we just read. Well, Why is he doing it this way? Because it is important to understand that there's a difference between knowing about and following what you know 
and living in an intimate love relationship with Jesus. That's where the apostasy comes in. He wants you to know that there will be people that depart. People from among the family of God or the assembly of God that will depart, that will follow their own way. And they will do it, and they will do it with full knowledge of who God is. Full knowledge of what Christ did. Full knowledge of all that has been offered them. But they will walk away because what they have won't hold them. All they have is what they know about Jesus. That's it. They don't know Him. There's a big difference between knowing about Him and having an intimate love relationship with Him. Listen, I would not be married as many years as I have been. 35, isn't it? Yeah, somewhere thereabout. I would not have been married as long as I have been if I just knew about. I don't go to bed every night with a log of Google Sheets about my beautiful wife. That won't sustain me. It wouldn't be a relationship. It would just be knowledge. And I want to tell you something. There's no faith in that. There's absolutely no faith in what I can gather with my intellect about God. There's no faith in what I can gather with my understanding about God. How did you come to Jesus? Did you read all up on it and you got educated and you decided that was a good move for you, right? No? No, you didn't. You acted on faith. On faith because the Spirit of God gave you just that much of a revelation of this awesome God redeeming you through the life of His Son, and you said, I want that. And He gave you a picture of a God who would lift you up from this world and embrace you to Himself and give you a new life, a life that is approved and accepted by Him. And you said, please, Lord, let me receive it. That's how you came to Him, but it wasn't by knowledge. What the Spirit of God is making plain to you is that those who are walking in knowledge and not in truth will fall away. So verse 1 is the key to this passage as it declares that some will depart from the faith. And verses 2 and 3 describe some of the working out or evidence of the departure of some in Ephesus. And it's also important to remember that this, is a, this declaration that, that is being made is not just specific to the church in Ephesus. This is the magnitude of what Christ is saying, the Spirit of Christ is saying. He is saying, church of God, people of God, listen to me. Because not all of you who say unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom. Not all of you who claim to know the truth of me really embrace it. There will be a falling away. And people of God, don't be discouraged by that. Because that seed never took root. They will leave. So, the Spirit of God gives us this warning. Not of what might happen, but of what is happening in fact. This is a warning that is given throughout Scripture. This is not just in 1 Timothy. This is all throughout Scripture. God, through the Spirit of God, repeatedly, repeatedly warns against this. And why do we need to be warned about it? Because we're a bunch of lemmings. That's why. 
We'll go to the church that's got the most people, whether they ever worship in spirit and truth or not. We'll go to the man who looks the best on television, whether he ever picks up the Word of God and it gives you an expository truth or not. We will follow man-centered gospel because the most man is in it. And the only way we'll keep from ever being led down that road is by putting our focus upon the truth and allowing the Spirit of God to lead us in truth. It won't happen any other way. The Spirit of God gave this warning in Hebrews 3.12. He says, Take care, brothers and sisters, that there not be in any one of you a wicked, unbelieving heart. And by the way, that's soul. Which refuses to trust and rely on the Lord. A heart that turns away from the living God. You know, Christian, you can be there. With your mind, will, and emotion, you can turn away from God. You have turned away from God. I know that. You know why I know that? Because I've done it. And I don't think I'm exceptional. The reality is that when you put your mind and you put your focus upon the things of this world, upon yourself, upon others, you turn your focus away from God. And you know what? It's a departure for those of us who've experienced a life of walking in intimacy with Him that's typically brief. Because we don't have to look around very quickly. I always think of, because uh, I've got a lot of kids, and we went through that time, you know, where you go to the grocery store and they're like ants descending off a hill. They're going every which way, right? Until one of them gets down an aisle and then stops and looks around. Uh oh, where's mama? They don't look for dad. They look for mama. And they're all looking, all of a sudden they hear this wail, this plaintive cry, you know, about two aisles over. And you run over there, and sure enough, they got away from you. Well, that's kind of the feeling you get when you've walked apart from God, when you've stepped away from that intimate fellowship, that sense of being lost, that sense of, of being disconnected. It's almost a panic within. Particularly if God brings out the point to you through a circumstance or an issue. And then all of a sudden you, you're at the doctor's office and you get a report that you don't like. And then it becomes real clear. Oh, wait a minute. Where's God in all this? You get nervous. You get anxious. Well, Hebrews 3.12 tells you, Be careful that there not be in any one of you a wicked and unbelieving heart that refuses to trust and rely on the Lord, a heart that turns away from the living God. You think he's talking to uh, the lost guy on the street? No. He's talking to you. He's talking to all of you. Notice the, that those who refuse faith and live to the flesh yet remain in the church are such a corruption that the writer of Hebrews says, beware of those people. Beware of the one who carries that soul and won't change. Second Thessalonians 2.7 says, for the, law, for the mystery of lawlessness, rebellion against divine authority and the coming reign of lawlessness is already at work, but it is restrained only until he who restrains it is taken out of the way. So scripture tells us that apostasy was at work in the early church during the time of Paul. It is restrained by the spirit, but it is still active. And scripture indicates that it will continue to increase until the Lord returns. Now, apostate 
is the word, the Greek word apostasia, and it means to fall away or to wander away. It speaks of uh, a departure from something. The apostate has left the faith, and now this is not referring to believing. This is referring to what we believe. He's departed from what he believed. That's what he's talking about. This is not about what believing, it's about what you believe. And he has departed from it, has left the faith, and, and he has departed in leaving the faith. He has departed from truth. He has departed from truth. Now, I often reference in preaching what I call the moorings of truth. And that would be scripture, prayer, the assembly of believers in worship, and the study of truth. It is a determined practice of living by the Spirit. And we become so involved in our daily pursuits that we tend to minimize it and we drift away. Now, faith is essential in holding on to the moorings of truth. We treat the things, those moorings of truth, the things of God, much like some people treat marriage. They're not feeling it. You know, I read the Bible the other day and I didn't get anything out of it. How do you know? How do you know you got anything out of it? What, how do you define that? The, you know, it says in Scripture that we are to study the Word of God only if we get something out of it, right? No. When you pick up the Bible and you begin to study it, I don't care if you're reading genealogies, you trust that God is teaching you. You trust that He is speaking to you because it's His Word. It's an act of faith. You know, one thing I know, I love sitting around my dad even when he's not talking. I don't have to have the conversation, but I'm in his presence. And when you're studying the Word of God, what you're saying when you fly open into that Bible, what you're saying is, oh Lord, I want to earn your love. No. Oh Lord, I want to earn a feeling of your presence. No. Oh Lord, give me an answer for the Jehovah's Witness. No. When you open the Bible, the Word of God, you're saying, Father, I am here for you. I'm here for you. And it's an act of faith that says, at some way, in some way, at some time, God is going to take His Word and He is going to work it through you. It's going to affirm your faith. It's going to grow you. Now, the Bible, the Bible is anointed and given of God from cover to cover. And he didn't just say to you, uh, make sure you skip that little bit over there in this. He didn't say that. He says, all scripture is given of God. Right? Isn't that what it says? Well, if it's given of God, I don't care if you're opening it and you don't particularly like what you're reading, it's still His. And you receive it by faith. Prayer. There's another one. By faith. He's hearing me. By faith. I'm entering into His presence. By faith. I am enjoying communion with Him. By faith. He's ignoring the stupid stuff I say. By faith. He is receiving all that is in agreement with Him. By faith, he is changing my heart into truth, my soul into truth, and he is bringing me alongside with his will. By faith. Am I feeling it? 
Well, no. But you know, the enemy is really good. I mean, you have that one experience when you were listening to the WOW CD and you were praying and all of a sudden you just had this holy glow and everything was just so wonderful and you were just crying. And that's when you were really praying, right? Do you know that that's faith? That's feeling. And you can get that watching the sound of music. That's not what God gave you. The moorings of truth are held on to by faith. By faith. 1 Timothy 1.19 says, Keeping your faith. He's speaking to Timothy. He says, Keeping your faith, leaning completely on God with absolute trust and confidence in His guidance. Does he say, with absolute faith and trust, and then you'll get His guidance? I mean, he was, he was facing a pretty tough situation. And he's a young guy, and he's got all of these seasoned saints who know a lot. All of them criticizing, all of them pointing fingers. And he's got to stand in the truth that God put him there. God's anointed him, and it's God's word that they will receive. And if he stands in his perceptions, if he stands in his understanding, if he stands in his fears, he's undone. Completely undone. What has he got to stand in? He's got to stand in faith in confidence of God's guidance and having a good conscience for some people have rejected their moral compass. He's talking about the apostates. Have, have rejected their moral compass, the moorings of truth, and have made a shipwreck of their faith. Without the affirmation of truth about us, affirming the truth within us, then the soul becomes apostate, wanders away, drifts away, drawn by this concern, drawn by this fear, drawn by this worry, drawn by this goal, drawn by this relationship, and completely drawn away from the focus of Christ. We need the moorings of truth. We need the confidence and trust in Him. And it is, it is experienced by faith. False doctrine prospers when the, where the passion for the person of Christ goes cold. Self-indulgent liberty makes the believer live in a casual relationship with their God and they become apostate by degrees. You see, the passion for the person of Christ is not something I feel, it's something I possess. It's something I determine to live in by faith. Do I always feel it? No. If I did, it wouldn't be faith, would it? I do sometimes. And boy, I'm ready to shout when that happens, but it just is not the norm. If it's the norm for you, then I need to know what you're into. Because the reality is that God grows us by faith, through faith, in every way. So he says, rejoice in the Lord. He doesn't say, when you feel good, rejoice in the Lord. He says, give thanks in all things. He doesn't say, give thanks for just the things you appreciate. He says, go and open the word of God and dig deep into truth and study his word so that the scriptures may speak truth to your soul. That is what it's about. I do that by faith. You know, it's, it's that. Now, I like devotionals. Please don't misunderstand me. For years... I never missed a Oswald Chambers, right? 
And, you know, my parents, they had this little ceramic loaf of bread that had all those scriptures in there. It was like a fortune cookie, you know. You pull it out, and you're just going to know what God's going to do that day, right? I did all that. But you know what? That's not faith. That's not faith. Faith is when I don't feel a thing, and I'm not looking to feel a thing. But I get up and meet my God because He's there. And I open the Word of God because it's His. And I expect to receive because He's faithful. And I recognize His voice because I'm His own. And I listen for Him. And if I don't hear anything, I don't assume that He's not speaking. I assume that I'm not hearing. That's walking forward in faith. Those who fall away are led away by paying attention instead to deceitful and seductive spirits and doctrines of demons. Now, Christian, you need to understand that the enemy is about drawing your attention away. In any degree. In any degree. He's not about the huge distractions. It's the little ones. Inch by inch. It starts with a momentary distraction. A passive interest. And if your faith is going cold, it's because you are not determined to live and practice the truth. It only takes a minor distraction. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your word. So grateful that we never walk alone that you have given us your life and that you nurture us with each step and that your plans for us don't begin and end with one day. They go out through eternity and that you have ordered our steps and attended them with nurture, with strength, with your presence and life at every moment. By faith, we embrace the truth of that. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.